Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Jonathan Strickland. I'm a staff writer here at HowStuffWorks. And with me is Chris Paulette, editor extraordinaire. Hola. <laughs> Hola to you, Chris. <laughs> Uh, we're here to talk to you about a really big event that's going to happen in the United States in November. Uh, not Thanksgiving. No. I mean, I, that is going to happen in November, but that's not the one we're talking about. Is there something else happening? Yeah, here? we're talking about the elections here. Oh, that election. Yes, and of course, since we're the tech channel, we're going to talk about how the Internet uh, relates to elections, particularly this election. That's true. You know, uh, a few months ago when I was uh, working with someone else, um, that would be Josh Clark. Uh, and you yes. may know for stuff you should know. We mm-hmm. uh, actually put together a series of political articles on uh, how Barack Obama works, how Hillary Clinton works, how John McCain works. They were, you know, the principles in the election. And one of the things I noticed from that was that there's just so much more interest in the elections. And we were, we were talking about ideas for podcasts. Uh, I told Jonathan I thought that we should do one about how the Internet has really profoundly affected this election because so many more people are involved in, in the outcome of this. They're just really, you know, personally invested in there. They want to see what happens, uh, you know, from both sides, from the conservative side and the, the liberal side and, you know, everywhere in between. Um, and in fact, as I was doing research for this, I saw a report from the Pew Charitable Trusts, um, which always makes me think of a certain cartoon skunk. But aside from that, they did a report in June and said that 46% of adults are using the Internet or some kind of electronic means for political purposes to share information, for fundraising, uh, to keep up with things. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, 40, 46% of the population, you know, that's, that's a significant amount considering the number of people who are wired because not everybody uses the internet. That's true. Even still. And, uh, I actually read in a, in a report over, uh, from our friends across the pond over, uh, <laughs> over from the BBC News, that people under 24 trust online media more than they trust television as a source of political news. Seriously. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy in the sense that, uh, that, that it shifted so quickly, right? I mean, right. comparatively speaking, the internet is still a pretty young thing and the web is even more young than that. The web hit the, hit the scene in the early 90s. Uh, that became available to the general public around then. And the Internet's played a role in, in earlier elections. But really this year, 2008, it really seems like this is the year the Internet's come into its own as a, a political vehicle, um, not just for the media reporting on this or, or uh, citizens who are blogging about it or reading about it, but also for the politicians themselves. Um, Barack Obama seems to have really grasped this. He has his own Twitter account. Uh, he's actually in the top 10 Twitter <laughs> users for people who follow Twitter. Um, and not only that, but his uh, Twitter account follows back anyone who follows him. So if you follow Barack Obama, Barack Obama follows you. Now, we should probably mention that it's very unlikely that Obama himself is the one yeah, Twittering. You don't really see him. I think he may be some staffers. Yeah, yeah. You don't really see him at debates like with his, you know, looking down below the podium with his thumbs going crazy as he's hitting his BlackBerry. Um, 
Although that would be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hold hold on. Right. I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the economy here. I, I got a Twitter to finish. Hold on one second. I'll be right with you. Right, but but whoever is on the staff who's doing this is is uh, uh, really keeping the followers up to date. I mean, every time that Obama is going to uh, to speak live in front of an audience, there's a link in a in a tweet from Barack Obama saying, "Hey, you could watch the speech right now as it happens. You don't have to wait for the news tonight." And uh, and that's a powerful tool. That's true. Uh, in fact, he's been so adept at fundraising using his website that he's been able to, you know, there were, it was all over the news not too long ago that he was giving up public financing for his election campaign for the general election because he was able to raise money uh, through private means. And, of course, the McCain campaign hit back at him, you know, saying that he had flip-flopped, that he had already agreed to use public money. Um, but, uh, you know, he's... He's not the only one because Ron Paul, the uh, candidate for the in the Republican race, was able to uh, fundraise substantial amounts using you know grassroots internet work, and uh, you know they're they're basically all the campaigns this year used it as a, a fundamental part of their strategy. Mm-hmm. Now you know they're having various degrees of success with it. Um, right. But, you know, they, it's, it's been a serious part in the campaign right. you know, itself from the candidates. And, and one of the, the largest uh, uh, initiatives would be, have to be through email. Um, you, you see a lot of blogs. You see a lot of things like the, the, the neat little Twitter posts and stuff. But really, email lists are where uh, – are, are email still how the candidates are, are getting their message across uh, primarily when they're using the Internet as a vehicle. Um, I mean, they have their websites and everything like that. But uh, if you have ever signed on to any <laughs> any politician's website, I guarantee you're receiving email from uh, everyone connected to that campaign. Um, and and you may be receiving multiple ones in a single day. And and most of the time, it's for uh, uh, fundraising opportunities, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, it's emails. A big thing with candidates, which is interesting because I, I thought email was dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep hearing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly not dead when it comes to uh, putting down candidates or trying to spread disinformation. There That's have been true. a lot of uh, a lot of people on again all sides of the campaign who are uh, perfectly willing to spread rumors to anyone and everyone. Um, yeah, not just about the candidates, but about their significant others as well. Which oh, is sure, pretty sure. Despicable. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, it's gone so far uh, that uh, St. Petersburg Times and Congressional Quarterly have put together a, a website and an email that I subscribe to called uh, PolitiFact. Uh, it's available at PolitiFact.com. And it's kind of cool because they have a truthometer. Nice. So what happens is that uh, it's like one of those old needle gauges that you see on, on uh, audio recording equipment or in a TV studio. And basically what they'll do, and they and they are very even-handed about it. They take all the different candidates or even some of the uh, the third parties that, that make claims about things that they say in ads. And they'll say, you know, uh, for example, Barack Obama is a Muslim. And they'll say, you know, they'll actually investigate the claim, break it out piece by piece, interview people and break it down. And they'll list it on the truthometer as being anywhere from, you know, patently true to pants on fire, which actually has little flames in the in the gauge, which saying, you know, this is absolutely not true. And this is why. And they'll break it down into different things. So it's kind of interesting because the email takes it and breaks it each one of these claims down. And it takes, you know, it plays no favorites. It takes all of them uh, as they come. 
That's that's uh, that's pretty interesting because there's a lot of disinformation out there. Um, that's true. And and it might not even be intentional, but it's definitely there. And uh, Barack Obama, too, had to start a, a website of his own called fightthesmears.com where he addresses each of those, uh, you know, basically it's the email chain that's coming back. And each of these claims he's taking and explaining, you know, why people say this about him and then why it's not true. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, when when you actually have to take a, a website, you know, that's just to do that, it shows how prolific these emails have gotten. Right. And, and to go beyond the whole email realm, uh, we can look at other aspects of the internet that have been very important in this election process, like YouTube. Um, the YouTube debates that were uh, held during the primary season, uh, that was huge. And it, it gave viewers the chance to actually ask questions of the candidates. It really set a new precedent for voter politician interaction. I mean, that, I think that's one of the reasons why the internet is playing such a huge role in this election. It gives people more of a sense of connection to the people who are running for office. You're no longer looking at someone who's on the back of a train, you know, making a speech before the train goes off to its next desti- destination. Now you're actually interacting with the people who may very well end up <laughs> being president. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. And you think as powerful as it is that it would allow us to uh to not have to stand in lines on, you know, the second Tuesday in November. Right. But, uh, you know, at this point, e-voting, you know, voting from the comfort of your own home wearing your jammies and your bunny slippers doesn't look like it's going to be here anytime soon. No, there's um there's some big problems with e-voting. Uh we have some aspects of e-voting already. Uh the, chances are uh, most of us, I'm sure, have have seen a direct recording electronic voting machine, DRE. Uh, that's one of those where you go in and it's a little computer monitor and you touch the screen and you make your choices. And then at the end it says, is this correct? Shows you the ballot and you say yes or no and, um, and you move on from there. Uh, and there's been a lot of controversy about these machines, whether they're safe, whether people can hack into them, whether or not they have a paper trail because without a paper trail – can you really trust the electronic trail? Yeah, basically, um, the, the, you take your card, you put it in, you vote, and then you're supposed to put the smart card in a box, and you don't know whether anything's being done with that, whether anything's been actually recorded on the card. I mean, right. It's, it's, um, it, there's a whole can of worms there. And when you, when you extend that to the internet, it gets even more complicated. Um, one of the biggest problems is guaranteeing that your vote is counting. And, the issue here is between uh, uh, privacy and accountability because they can't you, – you can't link a vote to a specific individual. That violates your whole right to privacy. Uh, you know, some people, they don't care if you know that they're voting for one person versus another. But that's – you can't, you can't make a judgment across the board based on those people. You have to ensure privacy. So if you're ensuring privacy, that means you can't necessarily link back one vote to one person. How can you then be sure that every vote that's in your electronic system is accurate and and valid? Uh, what if someone has hacked in and has put in a thousand votes for someone and these people never even really existed? Is there really a way you can be sure that that has not happened? Well, the government's the U.S. government has tried to experiment with this in 2000. Uh, the Federal Voting Assistance Program tried a, a voting over the Internet um, initiative, and it, it was deemed successful. It had a very secure 
uh, uh, set in place. It was um, only a very small sample size, though. So it's it really wasn't a true test of the Internet's capability of being a voting system. So in 2001, Congress uh, gave the go-ahead for an initiative called the Secure Electronic Registration and Voting Experiment, or SERVE. And by 2004, they canceled it because the the security concerns were so great. There was no way to tell at that time whether or not such a system would ever be feasible based on the technology we had. And they said, we're pretty much going to have to wait until we change some standards and the uh, technology catches up and then we'll move on from there. Yeah. You know, it's funny to think that we went from, you know, the, uh, you know, possibility of ballot stuffing with paper ballots and hanging chads with butterfly ballots to the bright new future of electronic voting which is completely hackable and corruptible and nobody trusts either. <laughs> right. Well, if you'd like to learn more about some of the topics we talked about, you can check out how Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or John McCain work. Uh, those are all individual articles. And we also have how e-voting works. And those are all online right now at howstuffworks.com. Thanks vote early, vote often. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?